As we turn our attention to Ruth this morning, Ruth chapter 3, when we left off last week, we ended at a point where you may feel like that you were reliving the 60s live-action Batman TV show cliffhanger. You can almost hear the announcers saying, Mr. and Mrs. Boaz, will the dynamic widows become dynamically redeemed? Or... Will, they risk, will the risky plan of Naomi be blown away by the shaft? Hang on to your rice. Same Bible time, same Bible channel. That's where we were left off last week. So let's kind of recap what that was like. Um, what actually happened in our last episode, if you will. Naomi told Ruth that she needed rest. She wanted to give her rest, which translated means... You need to be married, Ruth. And so Boaz is the man. Boaz is not only the man, but he's a relative. And so she told her, she said, wash and anoint yourself. Put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not, take, do, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And Ruth replied, all that you say, I will do. So, let's pick up the story. If you would, look at Ruth 6, I mean 3, and we're going to be reading verses 6 through 18. So, she went down to the threshing floor. And did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight. And in the morning, if he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest. 
but will settle the matter today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your glorious, for your mysterious word. May it penetrate our hearts to reveal more of who you are. To let us look at you and gaze upon you and and have a better understanding of your glory. Oh, Father, please hear our prayer, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. So this text is riddled with anxiety, isn't it? It's, it's in the air as the story unfolds. As one theologian said, it's now dark. The plan must be accomplished secretly and mysteriously. And honestly, as I noted last week, I'm still not sure why this plan of Naomi was concocted. But here we are. As we read verses 1 through 5, we are to wonder, what is Ruth going to do? Uh, What will Boaz do? And more importantly, what is God doing in all of this? We have already looked at the issue of Ruth being a Moabitess and their unseemly beginnings. We have noted the overall potential of this compromising situation. And so we sense the tension that's going on here. However, in the darkness shines the character of the Redeemer. Let's unpack specifically uh, the, the conversation of this passage and just see how, number one, the character of the Redeemer shines through Ruth. And number two, how the character of the Redeemer shines through Boaz. And and number three, the character of the Redeemer, how it shines in our story. So first of all, the character of the Redeemer shines through Ruth. Look here at the facts of the text. Boaz had a good time eating and drinking his fill. He felt great and he went off to get some sleep. And lying down at the end of the sack of, or the stack of barley, Ruth softly, I like that word, she softly followed. And she uncovered his feet and she lay down. Now we don't know how much time passed, but at midnight, the text tells us he stirred. He stirred in his sleep, he awoke, and there was a woman lying at his feet. The eerie silence of the night was broken by his question. Who are you? Notice how her words further shine forth the character that we've already been introduced to in the book. Let's, let's remember just a moment. Think about Ruth. Ruth, first of all, in chapter 1, cried out, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you, she said to Naomi. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death part me from you. What about the servant Boaz, or the servant to Boaz when Boaz asked the question, Who is this woman gleaning in the field? The servant answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz himself, as he meets her, 
He chimed in, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you've done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings, notice that, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now again, notice her words here in this text today as we see her character shine forth. She says in verse 9, I am Ruth. Spread your wings over your servant, for you're a redeemer. What is said here is so easy to miss unless we sort of slow down and think about it and even unpack the Hebrew just a little bit. First, she says, I am Ruth. Notice that she does not address herself as a Moabitess, although the rest of the text does all the way through until now. She does not address herself as a Moabitess, nor as the one who returned from no, with Naomi from the land of Moab. Nor does she introduce herself as Ruth the widow of the deceased Milan. It is as if she is coming as her own person here. She has purpose. She's coming in her own name. Secondly, she calls herself his servant. Now the Hebrew word for servant here is of higher rank than the word she used for servant in uh, chapter 2, verse 13, when she first met Boaz. She uses a different word here. The servant used in 2.13 would not have been eligible to marry someone of Boaz's status. But the word for servant that she uses here does allow for that. Thirdly, and most surprisingly, as a matter of fact, it's one of the most surprising things that all the commentators talk about and wrestle with and dig through. The most surprising thing is she departs from Naomi's script here. Remember what Naomi said, uncover his feet, just lay there and he'll tell you what to do. She speaks. She adds this proposal. She says, Boaz, spread your wings. Or as it can be translated, spread the corner of your cloak or spread the corner of your garment. Spread that over me because why? Because you're a redeemer. In the ancient world, the gesture of the covering someone with a corner of one's robe was roughly the equivalent symbolism as the giving of an engagement ring in our culture. So, Dugan notes, instead of leaving the situation dangerously ambiguous, as a woman of character, Ruth wanted to make her intentions clear right from the outset. Her goal was a commitment to marriage, not a single night of passion. In this, Ruth wanted Boaz to marry her. And more than that, in this statement, she is saying, I want you to marry me to also provide refuge for my mother-in-law, Naomi. Now understand, even though she is asking this, she is actually, or he is actually under no obligation whatsoever to do so. Perhaps this is why the strategy of Naomi to begin with looks interesting. And, and, and even I wrestled with this as I looked at it last week. Okay, if Ruth is, is a person of character, 
then why wouldn't she object to this risky plan of Naomi's? Why in the world would such a person of character move into a potentially compromising plan as this? There is no way to know for sure. But as I've looked at this and as I've studied it, I believe that Ruth is actually willing to sacrifice herself for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Dugan notes, she appealed to him to be the family member who, at his own cost, would act to rescue those who needed rescuing. She is saying, Boaz, save us. Rescue us. We need you. Folks, it's moving to me. It's so moving to me that she would do this. She is saying, will you save not only me, but my mother-in-law? Will you marry me? And will you rescue her as well? This is so, so incredibly moving. As I, I'll be honest with you, as I began to study this text, and I was looking at Naomi, I was looking at Boaz, and I was looking at Ruth. I kept thinking, this book could be called Naomi. This book could be called Boaz. But again and again and again, it always comes back to Ruth and her character and her sacrifices. In these words, it, it, it just seems that Ruth has once again seized the initiative. She has seized the initiative with her mother-in-law. No, I'm not going to go back to Moab. She seized the initiative with her mother-in-law again, saying, I'm going to go in those fields and I'm going I'm to provide grain for this family. And I believe in her words that she tells Naomi, I will do all that you say. She's taking the initiative again. And she puts herself possibly in a compromising position. Not only her physical, well, I should say not only her reputation, but her physical, a physical compromise as well. She's throwing herself out there. It's amazing. So the question I ask you, is it possible that in all the anxiety of this plan that Ruth was actually there for more than her rest? She was there for Naomi's as well. She shows covenantal loving kindness and faithfulness of the Lord. She shows his hesed. She is a woman of great character. But there's someone else in the story. There's someone else here and his name is Boaz. I want you to look and see how the character of the Redeemer shines through Boaz. It's been a hard day's work. 
Uh, Boaz has sat down at the table after that long day. He's had good food. He's had fine wine. And he went to the, to the, to the pile of, of grain there. And he fell asleep deeply and pretty quickly. He's out. Then in the darkness of the night, just think about it. A startle. And then all of a sudden, and this is what I think, there's an aroma of perfume in the air. Remember Naomi had said, put on the perfume. There's an aroma there. So he knows there's a woman at his feet or close to him. Maybe he even senses the closeness of this woman. What would this man do? I mean, that's the question. That's the question as we come to this text as we're reading along. We're like, what will this man do? And again, as the eerie silence of the night is broken uh, by the question of Boaz who says, who are you? We are compelled to ask the same question of him. Boaz, who are you? What kind of man are you? What type of character are you made of? We don't have to wait long in the seat in this text. He is revealed for the man that he truly is, that he truly is as he hears uh, the voice and then the words of Ruth in the darkness. Notice here how the character of the Redeemer shines through Boaz in this potentially dark situation. First, he's, he's shocked as he may have been. He's taken off guard, but notice how he responds. He responds not with condemnation, not with chastisement, not with saying, get out of my presence, you wicked woman. He doesn't do any of that. He responds how in the text? Verse 10, the blessing. The blessing. May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. At the return of Ruth from the fields, the very first day, Naomi, upon hearing how Boaz had showed his kindness, she said and proclaimed, um, you know, may he be blessed by the Lord. But here, Boaz turns that blessing upon Ruth. Because she, it says in the text, has made this kindness, this hesed, greater than the first. What had she done to begin with? Do you remember what Boaz said in the field? That she had left her family and had come to a place and people she did not know to love and care for her mother-in-law. She sacrificed for her. In this last kindness, she had not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And, and just by saying that, the text infers that she could have at this point. She could have. And we can understand the whole um, arranging of marriage, and yet at the same time, she could have done that. But instead, she's done something different. And you have to catch this. She has followed the law. She has followed the law and is in fact seeking this for someone else. She is seeking an heir for Naomi is what she's doing here. This is an embodiment of covenant faithfulness which showed her to be a true, true Israelite. One who rightly said, and your God shall be my God. The second thing that Boaz does, bringing the focus back to him now. So he's blessing her for all that. 
So that's the first thing he does to show his character. The second one is this. Boaz makes a sincere promise. He says in verse 11, My daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. She is a woman of excellence. Everybody knows it. And because of that, Boaz makes this promise, which is actually a promise again to go beyond the letter of the law. Remember, he's under no true obligation here to do this. So in this promise, he too is displaying the loving kindness, the faithfulness, the graciousness, the hassid of God. Third, looking at verse 12, note Boaz responds in integrity. It is true, I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Daryl Bach notes that this signals a disturbing development. And the disclosure that follows will have caused her heart to stop. Boaz is forced by his own integrity to report that he is indeed a kinsman redeemer, but not the kinsman redeemer. Further, it signals once again that he is a man of character. And he is willing to take care of this, whether he is the redeemer or not. As the Lord lives. Finally, he protects and provides. How does he protect? He protects her physically. He protects her reputation as well. He tells her to lie down until morning, keeping her from night's harm. And he also tells her to leave before the morning's light that no one would know that she had come to the threshing floor because she has done nothing wrong. Nothing. He gives her six measures of barley that she would not return to to Naomi and walk into their home. Notice the term empty-handed. Remember Naomi's words as she came into Bethlehem? I have come back empty-handed. Isn't it an interesting point the narrator makes? The character... Of the Redeemer shines through Boaz. This may actually be not because he did not take advantage of Ruth in many ways, but ultimately because he agreed to take her under his wing in marriage. He would absorb the loss to himself because of his love not only for Ruth, but for his God and in loving his neighbor. So we have to ask the question then, what does all this have to do with us? I hope you've seen it. I hope the Spirit has been pricking your heart. Getting you to see the bigger picture here. The character of the Redeemer shines in our story. What do I mean by that? First of all, know that this great story points to the ultimate kinsman redeemer that has stepped into our story. The more I read this book, the more I've looked at Ruth, the more I marvel at the fact that this is a beautiful picture 
of the ultimate kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus. If, if, let me put it this way. There are many books in the Bible that would be your favorite. And maybe if you were to say, I have a favorite in the Old Testament, you would pick one out. And what I would say is, is that this is probably mine. This is probably my favorite book in all the Old Testament. I was thinking as I was studying this, even last night as I was finishing up the sermon and thinking about some of the implications here, I was thinking if I were to give myself to the study of one book in the Scripture, it might just be Ruth. It is glorious. It is beautiful. It, it is a story that you're just amazed at the connections. You're amazed at how it unfolds. Because it points us to the ultimate kinsman redeemer, Jesus. Just as we see God revealing His loving kindness, His graciousness, His protection, and His provision through Boaz's response to Ruth and Naomi, so we see the true and final Redeemer's hesed that it points to as well. Jesus is the true and final Redeemer. Willingly. He did everything necessary for the redemption of His bride, the church. The author of Hebrews says, For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In Him, God, in His covenant love and mercy, provided redemption for our sins. So as Ephesians, as Paul says in Ephesians, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So understand the picture. All the Old Testament, as I know Joe has been teaching in Sunday school, is a mirror of the glory of Jesus. It all points to Him. And so when you read this story and the, and the, the, the delicate issues here, when you read the story and you just marvel at how the, like, she, she came into Bethlehem empty-handed and now the Redeemer has promised her, you are empty-handed no more. Because one way or another, you're going to be redeemed, either through me or through this other guy. And everybody's praying that it's not the other guy. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's His great love for us. Consider what He's done. Consider how He gave all for you. Rejoice. And trust Him by faith. Live by faith. And understand that this great story is the story of the ultimate kinsman, kinsman redeemer that has stepped into our story as he redeems us. Secondly, when we have faith in the kinsman redeemer, Jesus, his character is to shine in our story through our lives. As the character of the Lord is evident in His people, Ruth and Boaz, so it is to be evident in all His people. I want you to flip over to 2 Peter with me. 
Flip over to 2 Peter with me. We're going to look at chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Oh, wait a second. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 3 through 7. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of His divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Notice that again, that He's made great promises. I'm going to redeem you. As a matter of fact, it's already been done. It's already taking place for those who trust in Christ Jesus. And we've become partakers of the divine nature. Incredible. So, he goes on in verse 5, for this very reason, notice, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection, sorry, can't say the word, with love. Do you see how it flows here? Do you see it unpack? How does it work? How does it work? Uh, Before I get into that, just notice how how it worked with Boaz and Ruth. See, the same stuff. It's flowing the same way from them back then. Do you see that? So how does it flow into us this way? How do we make every effort to supplement our faith with character, virtue, character, with virtue and knowledge? How do we do that? We are to be in the light as He is in the light. We are called to abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ or living in union with Him is drawing all our spiritual resources from Him and Him alone. It involves allowing the Word, His Word, to abide in us. That is to fill our minds and affections that dominate our lives. We are to be feeding our minds with the Word of Christ as this is essential for our hearts. If our hearts are to be filled with character and joy of Christ, we need His Word to be abiding in us. We are to apply the precepts and principles of Scripture with the Spirit's help, which leads us to a life of obedience and ultimately to Christ's likeness, which means what? We have Christ's character. This is exactly what Peter is telling us. This is exactly what's unfolding before us with Boaz and Ruth. They know the Lord. And He's called us to know Him as well. How do you know Him? You have to abide in Christ through His Holy Word. And let that Word richly dwell in you. So practically, what does that look like? You know, when we say, okay, all right, great, that sounds good, but what does that look like in everyday life? Let me tell you what it looks like in everyday life. For all you children and all you younger people that are single, 
It means this. Don't fret and worry so much about who you will marry. Worry about what character you have. As a matter of fact, don't even worry about it. Be, be, make every effort to, to work out that character in the Word of the Lord. Look, I see it every day. I see it all the time. People say, I'm a Christian. I see it all over Facebook. I see it in, in, um, in people's lives. I've seen it this week specifically in someone's life, and it's broken my heart because they don't have the character of Christ in their lives. Now understand this. I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. Why? Because I know the truth. We are all sinners. None of us are righteous. No, not one. But what I am saying is, is that when you take your eyes off the Lord and His Word and that abiding truth that is there, you're going to run after your own selfish, sinful desires. And as I experienced in a loved one this week, you're going to throw your life away. Abide in Christ. I can't appeal to you any stronger than the Lord's words Himself. Abide in Christ. And here's the thing that, that, that is so beautiful about this passage and so beautiful about the Lord is when we do fall, when we do take our eyes, and when we look at the storms, when we look at our own selfish ambitions, when we desire our own sins, the Lord is there if we're in Him to help us along, He will get us through. That's the grace. That's the mercy. We keep looking at Him. What about in your work? People are watching. They're looking. They're wondering. Have character in your work. Do the right thing. Sometimes, and I've heard uh, Chuck say this before, uh, sometimes it's hard to want to do the right thing. But this is the character of Christ we're talking about. Hold on to Him. Trust Him. In other words, devote your hearts to Jesus and His Word, and His character will shine in your story for the world to see. In the uncertainty of this passage, just like in the uncertainty of our lives, in the darkness of the night, in the darkness of what could have happened for us, could have happened here, could have happened for us, it could be happening now, or it may happen in the future. We see ultimately the character of the Redeemer shine through. He loves us with a steadfast, loving kindness and faithfulness. And He will not let us go. So trust in Him. Turn your face to Him. And trust Him. Now before I close, we're once again caught in a cliffhanger, aren't we? We're waiting. Naomi says, wait, it'll be taken care of today, but we're waiting. 
And so Mr. and Mrs. Boaz, will the dynamic Boaz be able to dynamically redeem? Or will the shoe fall the other way? Hang on to your rice again, people. Same Bible time. Same Bible channel. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your love and mercy to us. I pray that You would dive this Word deep into our hearts. Please dive it deep into our hearts. I'm reminded of Romans where it says, if you will by the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Help us to look unto Christ for that grace and that power. Help us to look into Christ to put forth every effort to grow in our, in our character and our knowledge and our understanding and in our self-control. Let it all be for Your glory, Lord, I pray. For Your glory, Lord. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto You. Amen.